This time I remember. Recording in progress. Hey guys, happy to be here in Tel Aviv. Um, hope you guys can see me. Sorry about the recording last week. I uh, uh, forgot to hit um, record. So that's why there was no recording. But this time I did remember. And next time when you hear that uh, there is no sound of like a recording, so maybe you should warn me. So thanks a lot for um, joining me here from Tel Aviv. And um, today you guys can hear me because there's some faces there that are kind of pondering whether I am here or not. You can hear me. That's great. So what I have today for you guys, first of all, a little bit of an announcement. Uh, as you can see from the chat, uh, we have uh, kind of consolidated what we're going to do in SLN. So for those of you who can join us on the uh, five days from the 11th to the, um, no, from the 7th to the 11th or for the weekend from the 11th to the 13th, uh, I'll be there with Laura Day that you um, know and Nancy Watson if you uh know about her work. She's a psychologist. It's going to be a pretty interesting weekend, even though it is very much last minute. In a month, I hope you guys can join me. Before I get there, I have to get somehow to London next week. I hope that some of you guys I could meet in person. And also the classes that I'm going to do in London, the 2022 astrology and the past lifetime regression, we're going to have it also as a hybrid, meaning that you can join us from afar. And there will be, of course, a recording. So if you are around, I'll love to see you in person. And if I don't see any person, I can see you through Zoom. So I hope I'll see you someplace, whether it's in California or in London or in Istanbul or here in Tel Aviv. And what I wanted to do today is, because I'm here in Tel Aviv, it made me think about Ezekiel. And that made me think about another thing that made me think about another thing. And you know how thoughts lead one to another. And eventually, um, I don't get lost in thoughts. I actually find myself in thoughts. So I'll share with you this whirlpool of thoughts that I had in the last few days. I want to talk about Ezekiel, Ezekiel 1. And I really urge you guys, oh, look, I just suddenly found out that I have this thing here now that I... I think I got bumped into something. Anyway, um, it's a good thing we do classes that I can see myself because usually I don't get to see myself so much. Anyway, um, we're going to have a, a, a talk a little bit about Ezekiel. And Ezekiel was an interesting prophet. He was in the 6th century BCE. We mentioned it a few times here. It was a pretty powerful time. It was uh, considered to be the Axial Age. A lot of things happen around the world in the 6th century BCE. We had the beginning of Buddhism, Jainism. We had also um, the emergence of the prophets in the Bible, hence Ezekiel. We had Pythagoras and the pre-Socratians. And we had also Lao Tzu and Confucius in China. So it was a pretty powerful time for being a human and humanity in general. And anyway, at that time, something interesting happened in Babylon, in a place called Tel Aviv. And that's why Tel Aviv here is named after it. And what we have is the beginning of Kabbalah. What happened was a very powerful cognitive dissonance. You know how if you believe in something for a long, long time, and then suddenly something happens that shakes your belief system, you experience this kind of shock to the system that jolts you, but also opens you up in a very, very powerful way. And I think that's what happened to the people that were for 500 years in Jerusalem. If you remember, the first temple was built by the son of David, Solomon. Solomon means complete or whole. It has the same root as shalom or salam or complete or holistic. So Solomon built a temple in Jerusalem and for 500 years it lasted there. And then came the Babylonians destroyed it and that was a big shock for the people in Jerusalem that was the end of the first temple and the end of the David dynasty and they were exiled or the elite were exiled into Babylon and there you know on the rivers of Babylon we sat and cried you remember that song there was the lamentation of the people that lost not only Jerusalem and their own independence, but the concept that God was in Jerusalem. And three times a year, you would get up from wherever you are and go there and sacrifice to God and try to be close to God because it was obvious to everybody that God lived in Jerusalem. And suddenly there is no more Jerusalem. There is no more house of God. How could that possibly happen? And that caused a lot of the 
intellectuals at that time to start looking for God inward. Again, this is precisely what happened in Buddhism. The Buddha or Siddhartha came out of that lineage of Hinduism, of Brahmin, and stopped thinking about sacrificing animals for the gods and wanted to connect deep inside himself. That's also what happened to Pythagoras, who started teaching us about reincarnation and about the first esoteric school that was open in, in the island of Samos. And that's a, precisely the same thing that happened in China with Lao Tzu. There was this a, a idea of going inward to find solution. Suddenly, the Babylonians for the Jews were not the evil people that have destroyed us. They were acting on the will of God. We ourselves had some issue. Then God summoned the Babylonians and the Babylonians took care of it. So we can awaken and we can start looking for God inside of us. And the vision of Ezekiel is really interesting. Because what happened is that he's sitting in this place uh, by the river. Again, water has always been associated with visions, even with the Native Americans. And he's seeing this thing coming from the sky. And if you read Ezekiel 1, I think we mentioned it a few times, uh, it sounds almost like a spacecraft landing. And with that descent, he, Ezekiel describes what he sees as these creatures. He called them chayot. Chayot means animal, but it also means creatures, anim like animated things. And they looked like an eagle. They looked like a, like a bull. They looked like an angel because they had these wings. And they looked like a lion. He doesn't know how to describe them. Obviously, like we mentioned here, he doesn't have sci-fi music uh, movies that I can tell you, you know. Uh, remember how Yoda had his pointed ears and he talked in funny ways? So that's what I saw. In my vision. He doesn't have that. So he takes, he draws from our astrological ideas. The eagle is Scorpio. The lion he sees is Leo. The bull he sees is Taurus. And the, um, uh, what is left? The lion he sees is Leo, Taurus. Yeah. And the angel is, of course, Aquarius. And these are the four fixed signs that are said in Kabbalah to hold the throne of God. And this vision of Ezekiel, of the chariot descending downward, became the throne of God. Ma'asea Melkava, the working of the a chariot. And that's also interesting. We talked about it at the same time in the Upanishad. We hear about, in the Mahabharata, we hear about Arjuna getting his spiritual lessons downloaded to him from his charioteers, Krishna, on a chariot. And here we have again the idea that comes in the beginning of Kabbalah, Samuel Kava, the working of the chariot. That's, by the way, Cancer card, the tarot card of the chariot. And the chariot became a, almost like a international mystical uh, code name for meditation. Why? Because meditation, you close your eyes and you're able to travel without movement and then God comes to you. That's a revolutionary idea. And that is all happening in the vision of Ezekiel. And one of the most beautiful sentences there, maybe I can share it with you because I think I did um, prepare this for you. Uh, can you see? I think you can see. Here is the uh, vision of Merkava. Uh, you see this is Raphael's uh, version from 1518, a thousand years, uh, mm, 2000, 2000 years later. You see the creatures, uh, the eagle, the bull, the angels, uh, the lion, and they're basically the throne of God. So you see this uh, idea really manifested that way. Let me see. Uh, here, just a second. Mute. So that idea of... Um, I thought I did mute, but I guess I didn't. Let me see again. So the idea of, again, going inward and finding your cycles, finding help from astrology is starting with the vision of Ezekiel. And it could be also because he's in Babylon and he even precisely said it, I'm in the land of the Kadilian, the Kaidinian, the Kaidinian, or how do you call it? The, um, uh, let me see, because I actually wrote it down. Did I write it down? Kasdim. Uh, Kasdim in Hebrew, Kaldilian, uh, the C-H-A. Uh, never mind. The, I'll find the word eventually. Uh, I don't think I actually put it here. No, because in Hebrew, it's basically the Chaldean or, or Kasdim. And Kasdim basically means the astrologers because that area was very much uh, the origin or the development of astrology that later on spread to Greece. Uh, and then, of course, to the whole world, including the Vedic. 
astrology. So he is located in the place where astrology or modern astrology, where the signs were given, uh, actually was developed. So it could be that he's drawing some of the imagery. That's why he said a lion, a bull, an eagle, which we said is Scorpio, and an angel, which is the key word for Aquarius. The four fixed signs, the four signs that can hold that canopy or that chariot of God. But what he says there is that their appearance and their work was it were a will within will. So he's basically trying to describe cycles of fanim. It's called in Hebrew. And that's what we call bicycles, for example. It's wheels within wheels. It's these wheels that kind of combine into patterns, into cycles. That's the basic of astrology. Now, the, what I wanted to talk to you today about is this idea. And that's what led us to why, how, how I got from Tel Aviv to Ezekiel, uh, to the cycles, wheels within wheels that is described by Ezekiel. Because I was just having dinner yesterday with my niece and her husband, who I had the honor to wed. And they're amazing people. We are very, very good friends. We talked about patterns. We talked about Saturn, uh, Saturn return, because my niece just is coming out of the Saturn return. And uh, her husband asked me about, uh, is there a pattern for 20 years? Because something really amazing happened to me 20 years ago. And at first I told him no. And then I thought, wait a minute, I have to do some kind of a workshop or some kind of a conversation about patterns or major life cycles so that you can prepare. And also if you have grandchildren, if you have children or if you're married, you can understand a little bit more the patterns. So I sat down yesterday and I wrote the major life cycles. And let's go over them right now because that's the best way to use astrology, to really understand the cycles in your life. So first of all, you have the first important cycle is when you're seven years old. The seven-year-old is again related to the seven-year each. We talked about it quite a lot. The seven years each basically is happening obviously every seven years. And what it is is a square Remember we talked about in astrology, the squares being very important. It's an, a, a geometrical form uh, that represents conflict, represents a square, square off some hardships. So every seven years, we have it because of Saturn cycle, which is 28 to 29. We'll get to cycle re Saturn return. Remember, that's why we said Saturn return is peaking around 29 and a half, 28, 29, 30. So if you take that period and divide it into four, that will be the square. Every time you find yourself in around the seven year, seven to eight, there is a conflict. There is a need to re-examine where you are and change it. So, for example, you had your car for seven years. I'm not saying you should sell it, but maybe there is something that you need to do with it. You had a relationship for seven years. Either you're going to take it to the next level, maybe a child, maybe get married, maybe uh, move to a different place, or it might collapse in you. You know how they say if businesses don't grow, they die. The same thing with relationship. So maybe it's a seven year that you've been working in the same company or seven year that you're in the same position. Yeah, you can continue, but you might fall into comfortably numb. Because, again, Saturn is the ruler of Capricorn. We talked about it, the dark side of Capricorn. Uh, the tarot card is the devil. When you get stuck, when you get stuck in a comfortable place and you're saying, I ain't moving nowhere, it works. Yeah, that's not going to work for a long time because after the seven-year age, something might happen that will crack it, will break it. We need that flexibility, that movement. So when you're seven, when you're 14, you have an opposition. Why? Because it's two sevens. Two of the squares create an opposition. The 90 degrees plus 90 degrees create 180 degrees, which is an opposition. That is the half of your Saturn return. So when you're 14, 15, that's the time you're supposed to have a rite of passage. You know, we talked about it last week. That's the 13 of the bar mitzvah or the circumcision for in Islam. Or at 14, usually uh, something pretty important happened in the Spartan uh, education system. Also for the uh, aboriginals in, in Australia, they had the walk about around that time when they were sent into the uh, wilderness to survive. So that 1415 that people experience, the peak maybe of your teenage time or your teenage kid or your teenage grandchild, that's basically a Saturn opposition. So you have to have a lot of compassion towards them because they're experiencing their second seven year each. And of course, when it is happening again, when you're 21. So 21, you know, for us here in Israel, that's when we're released from the army usually and we have to decide what we're going to do. For other people that don't have armies, eh, that's the time they're done with university maybe and they or college and they have to find their path in life. That's the time you're supposed to be able to drink, right? 21. Because 
Right now, you're in your third square of Saturn. And of course, after 21, you get from 28 or 27 to 30 into your Saturn return. These are all cycles, the 7, 14, 30, 45, 60. We'll talk about it in a second. This is all Saturn return, the most important uh, cycles of Saturn. So this is the most important major life cycle that you have, Saturn return. But before you get to Saturn return, it's not like you're free from Saturn because you have it at the age of 7, 14, and 21. Of course, you have it later on, 43 to 45. That's another uh, Saturn. That's a Saturn opposition, like the same thing you have when you're 14, 15. So first of all, I want you to do that exercise at home. Try to figure out exactly what happened to you seven years ago. Because seven years ago, whatever you're going through right now, you had the square of it. And a square of it is some kind of an irritation that forced you to um, confront a situation that's not comfortable and you were forced into action around whatever it is that you're going through right now. Also go to the age of seven. See what was going on. It's usually grade two. Some people it's grade one. Look at what happened to you at 14, 15 when you were initiated in a sense. Again, this is going to be very important for you to look back at that time and see what was going on then. So that's the... Uh, the idea behind these Saturn uh, energies, these Saturn uh, powers, you can say. Of course, when you're 28, 29, 30, you're getting into the 27 club. We talked about it many times. And the Saturn return is happening. That's a time where you feel that you're micromanaged by life. It feels like even if you don't have a boss, your boss is inside of you constantly pressuring you. You have to deal with people who are older than you. Suddenly, you're old enough not to um, uh, answer the question, so what are you going to do when you're old? Uh, Because you're kind of old. So what are you going to do with life? You know, and a lot of time people make big transition. For example, I read a, a, a recent study that they made, psychologists, that they said that the best time to get married, apparently, and not get divorced is around 28, 29, 30. It's kind of interesting. It fits perfectly into the scheme of things with astrology. Of course, you have a second Saturn return that is happening to you between the ages of 56 to 60. Why? 28, 29 times 2. Then it happens to you again, 84 to 90. That's a lot of time where the third Saturn return basically tells people it's time to go. So some people leave uh, the planet between 84 to 90. So you see that Saturn return is something very, very profound. Don't only look at Saturn return as 28, 29, 56 to 60, 84 to 90. Also break it into the square and the opposition we talked about. Another cycle that is very important is, of course, Jupiter. And Jupiter cycle is really positive. You know, Jupiter is what we're all waiting for. Jupiter return happens to you at the age of 12, 24, 36, 48, 60. So you see that sometimes Jupiter and Saturn return converge together. That's happening around the age of 60. A lot of people get older when they're 56 to 60, and then they get young again at the age of 60 because they're getting their Jupiter return. So look again, back in your life, look at your grandmother, grandfather's life, you look at your father's life. But again, the 12-year cycle is a really positive one. It's usually talking about a big expansion. Now look at how in tradition they chose the 13th mark, you know, bar mitzvah, the circumcision in Islam, right between your Jupiter return, so you're kind of riding a good wave, and upla, the 14-15 age, which is the Saturn opposition. So they chose the 13, which is right between what we call in astrology a midpoint between Jupiter, which is the blessing, and Saturn, which is a lot of time the heaviness and the uh, responsibility. So it's a good celebration, but hey, there is responsibility here. You become an adult in a sense. And of course, that's a puberty period. These are the most important cycles. Then we have something called the nodal return. Nodal return happens every around 18, 19 years. If you, understand, if you know, that's the north and the south node that are created by the junction between the moon and the sun's path. And it's also interesting. It's almost like mother is the moon, father is the sun. And when they converge together every 19 years, meaning, let's say you were born on the new moon, every 19 years, your solar birthday which you celebrate every year, and your lunar birthday, where your moon was, will converge together. So at the age of 18, 19, your moon and your sun are agreeing. They're back into the place they were when you were born. And that is a very powerful karmic uh, moment. That's why a lot of us are becoming adult, or we can actually uh, 
most places you could um, vote at that time, right? 18, 19. That's about the time you have to decide what you're going to study in university or if you're in a different place. Again, this is your moment when you're officially an adult. It is the moon and the sun, mother and father coming together to the same place they were when you were born and saying, get out of the nest. Get out of your, um, you can start flying. You have your new uh, uh, feathers to fly. Of course, it happens to you at the age of 36, 37, sometimes 38. Why? 18 times 2. Again, you can also do it times 3 and you get into your second Saturn return. So you see that sometimes, like I told you, these wheels within wheels, that's why I wanted to talk about the Ezekiel, the chariot, the working of the chariot, the engine of the chariot, the engine of your meditation in a sense. They're all about cycles. They're all about converging these cycles and learning from these cycles. So it doesn't mean that if you're not at the age of 18, 19, I don't care about the nodal return because maybe the nodal return has something to do with your house of relationship. Because right now, for example, uh, whatever you're going through right now in your life is similar according to the nodal return to 2003-2004, to 85-86, because again, it's every 19 years. So it does not only that you have to look at those specific uh, periods when you're 18 or 19, you can also look back at what's happening to you 18 years ago, because that might be related to, again, home, family, something between mother and father being pushed between reception and action. Then there is a very sensitive age. We call it the midlife crisis, but it's really much more profound than that. We have a Neptune square that happens between the ages of 38 to 42. We have a a Uranus opposition that happens around the age of 41, 43. And we have the Saturn opposite to Saturn, which is happening around the age of 43, 45. You see three wheels are coming together. Uranus, Saturn, Neptune, and uh, yeah, three of them. That's, that's quite a lot. So this is why for people who are between 38, 39 to 43, it's a very challenging time. With my clients, I see a lot of divorces, a lot of betrayals, a lot of movement, a lot of separation from career and doing something completely different. And also, if you look at it, it's your Saturn return of your puberty. The first time you got your blood, the first time you got your voice changing, you know, so when you started acting like uh, um, Scooby-Doo, you know, started sounding like that with voices going up and down and all that, that's precisely when you're 42, 43, if you go back 30 years, 30, 29, 28, 30 years ago, you get to your puberty, to your menstruation cycle, to your initiation that we talked about, your bar mitzvah, your, your, your circumcision. So again, it's really important to pay attention to these cycles because you can see that they're coming together in certain moments in our life. What is Uranus return? Uranus takes a whole 84 years to go around the sun. So people who are 81 to 84 are dealing with Uranus return. Uh, That is a period where you are supposed to start being like a Yoda, kind of a funny wizard. Not to take yourself too seriously because Uranus is the joker, the fool, but wise with life in many ways. Uh, what is your Saturn, Uranus return divided to two? It will be the opposition of Uranus. That happens to you around the age 41, 43. And you're trying to kind of ignite the spark that you originally had in your early 20s. Why early 20s? Because that is the square of Uranus with Uranus. So you see, it's all geometry and it's all math. And I know it sounds a little bit overwhelming. And we'll mention it many, many times here. But I just wanted you to get some hold of the idea of wheels within wheels. What moves the chariot of uh, the throne of God? What is the origin, you can say, of Kabbalah? Because Kabbalah in Hebrew means to accept. And accept, the most important thing to accept is your astrological situation. It's not necessarily that you have to be afraid of it. Oh my God, it is seven years that we're married together. No wonder we're fighting. No, you're not fighting. You're trying to find a new way to connect because you've changed and you've changed. And now before it was fitting like this, now it fits like this. It needs to be a little bit different, you know. So that's part of what the cycles are. Once you understand your cycles, then you can breathe into it, accept it. That's what Kabbalah means, to accept in order to you, for you to change your life or to move it to the direction that you want. You're not subject to these um, transitions and changes. You basically can benefit from them. You know, you can actually speak the language of cycles and really 
learn how to work with it in the best way possible. For example, even what to focus on a certain age and even look back and see maybe how these cycles already worked with you and these cycles repeat and then you can know how to work with it also in the future. For example, here is something really interesting that I found. Let me actually uh, slideshow, share it in a better, uh, interesting, better way, let's say. Um, here we have a map of the world. For those of you who uh, are looking, uh, are joining me in live or in the podcast later on, it's from world Pro- worldpopulationreview.com. You can go to that website and check it out. Why was it so interesting for me? Because it's the median age of countries. Why is it so important for me? Because we just mentioned cycles. And then I thought, you know what? Wait, uh, uh, where is it? Turkey, for example. The median age now in Turkey is 30. What does that mean? That means that Turkey is going through a Saturn return. Israel is 29. The median age of 29 is... um, Sound went off. Where is it off? Um, We can't hear you. Can't hear you? Let me see. No sound. Um, Now, can you hear? No sound still. Lost audio. That's kind of strange. Uh, You guys can hear me? You guys can hear. Okay. That's kind of strange. Okay. We have to talk about it later on. Your mouth is moving. No sounds. Mercury retrograde. Let me... Uh, cancel. Still no sound. No sound. No sound because I um, hear you guys. No sound still. Oh, I feel bad for you guys. Um, no sound. Damn it was good. Still no sound. Let me close and now. And share next. Sorry, part. <laughs> this is totally Mercury retrograde. I'm totally sorry. Part one, and now let's do part two. Hope you guys now can hear me in Instagram also. I'm sorry about this. Uh, hope you guys can hear me. Anyway, let's go back to you guys in Zoom that can hear me. So anyway, I was saying that Israel is going through their Saturn return. How do I know it? It's not because um, Saturn return is happening uh, to, to, to Israel because you can divide the age of Israel in 29. That's not the case. Okay. I was just saying that Israel is the median age of the population in Israel is 29. Therefore, it's logical that most of the people here in the streets are going through their Saturn return. Therefore, the general energy is Saturn return. It's kind of funny that right when I mentioned that Israel is going through their 29, 29 is literally the peak of the Saturn return, uh, the Instagram uh, people couldn't hear us. And I'm doing this from Israel. So it's all Israel's fault and it's all the fault of the people who are 29. I'm not even 29. So what it made me think about is how, for example, uh, Asia is going through their Saturn return because the median age in Asia and in South America is 31. They're kind of getting out of their Saturn return. It was their Saturn return a little bit before, in a way. So look at the ages here. We have Turkey, for example, that is going through their Saturn return. It's kind of the end of their Saturn return because most of the people, the median age there in Turkey is now 30. We said 29 and a half is the peak of Saturn return. So it's kind of interesting to think about it in that terminology in a way uh, that that land of Turkey or the country of Turkey regardless of its age and its astrological chart the population there is dealing with Saturn return and look at what's happening now in Turkey especially in the last few years Israel think about it it's like Israel I guess and it's a perpetual Saturn return but now it's very very difficult because again it's trying to define who am I what is going on here? Where are we going to be led? What are we going to be? Go- what are we going to do when we grow up? So Mexico, Israel, Turkey are going through their Saturn return. 
It's funny. Australia is 33 years old. No, sorry. Australia median age is 33. Now, that's kind of interesting because 33 is not necessarily a cycle as much as it's a very symbolic age of a sacrifice. Isaac was sacrificed at the age of 33. Uh, Jesus was sacrificed at the age of 33. So there is something about uh, 33 which represents a sacrifice. Maybe they'll have to sacrifice their sheep so we can close the ozone layer. I don't know. Russia is 40. 40, we talked about it. It's right at that age that everybody betrays everybody. Everybody cheats on everybody. Everybody gets divorced. Everybody changes their career. And look at what's happening now with Russia. They don't know what to do with Ukraine. Now they don't know what to do with Kazakhstan. You know, uh, they're completely not to do with Belarus. You know, Putin is freaking out. There's like all of this question mark because they're going through their midlife crisis. Literally, they're going through their midlife crisis. So again, it's interesting to look at that. Uh, and United States is getting into their midlife crisis, just behind Russia. Great. So United States also is going through Neptune squaring Neptune, Saturn opposite to Saturn, Uranus opposite to Uranus. It's, it's, it's a mess, energetically speaking. So it is interesting to look at all of those ages, the median ages, to understand what a country is dealing with because that's what the majority or median age of the people there, what is their cycle in a sense. So I collected all of the Saturn return in the world so we have turkey kazakhstan we just uh, talked about it you know i'm not talking about borat's kazakhstan i'm talking about the one that now we had uh, over 100 people die from the demonstrations there and people not really knowing what they're demonstrating it started with the fuel prices now they're saying that it's fraction within the government itself that's doing it now russia is sending peace um, forces there of course in the west of kazakhstan there is all this situation with the oil that everybody's interested in you know so obviously it's a big big mess lebanon vietnam iran united arab emirates indonesia uh, colombia israel suriname morocco kuwait panama guam Libya, Fiji, uh, Uzbekistan, Mexico, Venezuela, Mongolia, Myanmar, uh, Paraguay, Maldives, India is getting into their Saturn return. Oh, my God. Algeria, Dominican Republic, Peru, Ecuador, Bhutan, Saudi Arabia, South Africa, El Salvador. This is just the list. Go on. That's those are the countries that are going to be seen more in the news because they're in their Saturn return. And if you have somebody in your family that is going through their Saturn return, believe me, in the family gossip they're starring. Just like now, these countries are going to be all, all over the news. So it's interesting to pay attention to it. Another thing that's happening uh, before I go to, exp uh, to show you what is happening next week, um, Sirius is uh, a serious matter. If you look at the skies now, southwest, uh, up, 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 if you could look up, you'll see Sirius, the dog star. We mentioned here Sirius quite a lot, especially in the Egyptian mythology. It was very important. That's the star that rises uh, with the Nile. So it's very important. It's all it's happening in July. The, the word dog, uh, dog days come from that idea. But anyway, Sirius is in Canis Mayor, the big dog. And it's located in its, in its uh, throat chakra on the collar. It's the jewel of the collar. Uh, the big uh, Sirius. You can always see it because it follows the hunter. It's above the hunter in a sense. And Orion, the hunter. But it's always good to look at him because now it's most visible. In January, it's the most visible because uh, during the time that it moves behind the sun, close to the sun, which is in Cancer, and now we're in Capricorn, we're opposite to Cancer, it's hard to see him. That's when the Nile was rising in, uh, in July. But now because we're opposite to July, here is the sun, here is Sirius, it's like a full moon in a sense. It shines on Sirius, that's why we can see it. And Sirius is considered to be the higher octave of the sun. Uh, the spiritual sun, you can say, and it's the brightest star in the sky. So really recommend it to not close your eyes, but actually look at Sirius, try to identify it. And there's a lot of apps that you can get that kind of you point to the sky and it shows you if you don't want to get a telescope. But Sirius, you can see with the naked eye, especially in, in this month and this week's. So pay attention to it. Try to look it and uh, look up at it and meditate with it, because this is the higher self, the self-expression of our solar system, in a sense. So it is very important to pay attention to it. What else? Um, yeah, Kazakhstan's Saturn return. So it's interesting because Kazakhstan became a country in 1991. So remember, 
30 years, or in 2021, beginning of 2022. And it's going through violent protests right now, right? Because it started with the fuel prices. Now we don't really know what's happening, but it's definitely a very, uh, not a very easygoing place right there. I mean, compared to the other countries where people around them, where people are really, really going through craziness, uh, relatively they're more open, you can say, but still... A lot of corruptions, a lot of uh, the government is very tight on the people. And because there is a lot of oil there, oil always brings trouble. We talked about it. Whenever you disturb the, 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 the whenever you raid the tomb of the people, uh, people, the uh, creatures that rule this planet before us, you get into trouble. You release all these demons, you know, uh, the same thing that you always have to be careful when you're raiding tombs of the pharaohs, right? So the same thing you, when you do it to dinosaurs or uh, creatures that used to live here before. But anyway, it's always bad karma involved with fuel and oil and bring it out or even using it. But the interesting thing, if you look at the main character behind all of this, uh, Nur Sultan, he was the one that from 1990 until 2019 was basically controlling the country. Now he controls it from behind the scene. He brought somebody else to actually uh, be the head of the state, even though he was the one that's moving things around. Anyway, 1962. He started working in a factory, steel worker, and he joined the Communist Party in the Soviet Union, right? 28 years later, April 1990, he becomes Kazakhstan's first president because the Soviet Empire collapsed. He becomes the president. You see, a Saturn return. A Saturn return after that, he resigned after 29 years in 2019, right? You see the math, 1990, 2019. You see it again and again and again. I just wanted to give that example because you can see here Saturn return happening in the news in front of you. No wonder that area is flaring up, not to mention that the whole country, which I saw, median age, 29 years. Now I wanted to talk a little bit about Mercury retrograde and the reason why you guys couldn't hear anything, even though we're not in Mercury retrograde, we are kind of in Mercury retrograde because January 13, which is coming up in a few days, is where Mercury is going to be stationary. So always, before a planet goes direct, a retrograde, it goes through two days of appearing to be stuck in the sky and not moving. That's the worst time, you can say, for anything that has to do with communication, marketing, sales, anything you do with uh, um, information, with data, which is basically everything, because we are information, you can say, um, gets a little bit off. The trickster gets stuck, information doesn't flow then from the 15 until february 4 or february 2 you can say we have mercury retrogrades and mercury is going to retrograde remember we talked about it in 2022 the retrogrades begin in air signs and they ground themselves into they retrograde into earth signs they're bringing information down so now we have mercury retrograde in aquarius from the 15th until the 26th then in january 26th it's going to move into Capricorn, which is even worse for Mercury because Mercury in Aquarius feels like it can fly, make things happen. When it's grounded in Capricorn, in those, you know, winding roads that only donkeys or mules or sometimes even only goats can go up, it makes it a little bit more difficult. So when Mercury is retrograde in Capricorn, the glitches will be much more difficult. And especially with people who are older uh, or people who are superiors, bosses, um, that kind of energy is going to be much more from January 26. At least until January 26, Mercury is retrograde, but a little bit retrograde faster. So he's still driving reverse, but kind of fast. Maybe it's even worse. You know, you rather somebody drive retrograde or drive reverse in a highway. Maybe it's better if they just drive a little bit more slow. But that's what we're going to have uh, during basically the next um, the next three weeks or so. So we have Venus retrograde in, Merc in Capricorn up until the end of the month. Then we have Mercury until February 4. So if you can hold on things, February 4, 5, even 5 would be much, much better for you so that things can actually move better. So if you can avoid now for the next three weeks too many things, that would be great. Um, and, and when Mercury is retrograde in Aquarius, most of the issues are with friends gadgets technology innovation now we're in mercury's shadow we talked about it last week we entered the shadow and now shadows should be considered because they're kind of darker than normal so 
you see glitches starting to come, like kind of like showing and popping up in your life and showing you where you might have to deal with it here. Yeah, I was just mentioning it now and the Instagram started working, stopped working again. So we have to deal with that. You know, even last week I was talking about the shadow and we didn't record. The, you didn't. I mean, I didn't record the, um, uh, the, I think for the first time in my two years of doing it, I didn't record the session. You know, I did send it to you, but not through Zoom. So you see, um, I was told where I'm going to have to experience it, or maybe I was shown that so I can tell you guys where you're going to have to look for that Mercury retrograde. But when Mercury is retrograde in or stationary or in the shadow of Aquarius, it's more about technology, innovation, your communities, governments. No wonder what's happening when I was Kazakhstan. Uh, all of the things that have to do with communication between companies with between friends, in clubs, in organizations, then it's going to move into Capricorn, which is more connected to your career, more connected to skin, uh, bones, teeth, uh, joints, um, things that have to do also with people who are mature, traditional, or things that have to do with your path in life, your career in a sense. So again, pay attention to it. Now let's look at what is happening for us in the next week. Um, so I can find the, where is the chart? Yeah. So what is happening for us in the next few days? So first of all, now you can see on the chart, Venus is very, very close to the sun, but she's retrograding backward. The sun is moving forward. We talked about how the last two days we had Venus on top of the sun, which is really beautiful. But we also had uh, the opposition of the black moon opposite to Mars. She's still opposite today and tomorrow, causing a little bit of strife and challenges. So might not be the most comfortable. It's a little bit more aggressive in a sense. But the good news is that the sun and the moon are sending beautiful trying to each other. So action behind emotions is working actually pretty well. If we look at tomorrow... The moon will be void, of course, for a little bit. So just be a little bit more careful tomorrow not to initiate things again, even though we're January 10 before Mercury is retrograde. So you have two more days that you can push things. P pay attention. If you're supposed to do some big project tomorrow, just make sure on Monday I'm talking about that the moon is not a void, of course, wherever you live, because it's different in every uh, different place. It's different. But overall, the opposition of uh, the black moon and Mars is still continuing, uh, even though it's actually getting tighter. So pay attention tomorrow also, especially because the black moon is also going to be squaring Neptune and Minerva. That means that some people are going to give you bad advice or you're going to have to be a little bit careful of deception, illusions, um, and not to be too aggressive about your beliefs. You know, don't be too preachy if you can. Then on January 11, the moon is moving into Taurus. The moon in Taurus is always a little bit easier because the moon is exalted in Taurus. And that's really good. And because she's now in Earth and we have Venus in Earth, Mars, Sun in Earth, Pluto in Earth, it helps us. So in one sense, the moon and Mercury are squaring. So there could be some conflict between logic and emotions. But Mercury is uh, exalted and the moon is exalted. So the fight between logic and emotion is strong. But because you have your moon in Taurus and Uranus in Taurus, and then we have three planets in Capricorn, 50% of the chart is in Earth. So it's a very grounding energy and you can actually achieve things. So you have January 11 and January 12 to move things, to try to initiate things, especially because the moon is in Taurus. Even though the moon in Tuesday is on top of Uranus, which makes her go a little bit crazy uh, up and down. It could be also family members acting really strange and annoying and causing a little bit of chaos in your life. The moon is sending beautiful energy to Venus. So especially with the feminine side of families or people who are close to you, there could be some really positive energy. We're actually seeing a lot of the chart working very well with feminine signs. So earth and water signs are going to go much easier and much better. Then if you look at um, uh, January 12, which is the last day you can do things without Mercury going retrograde, we have the moon still in Taurus, which is great. She's stepping on top of the wheel of, of the North Node, which is, again, very, very positive. So in that sense, it is really good. Mars moved away from the opposition with the Black Moon, which is great for us. And a beautiful triangle is formed. So there is a lot of help 
coming overall, especially between Venus and the moon, uh, which means artistic energies. Financially, it could be much better. There could be a lot of uh, work with powerful women that can come your way. And the sun and the moon in Wednesday are very well connected. So again, a very good day to achieve things. So the weather, astrologically speaking, on Wednesday, the 12th, is really positive. Then we have on Thursday and Friday, Mercury stationary. So there's a little bit of that stuck energy that we talked about that you have to be aware of. Not the easiest. Not only that Mercury is stuck and stationary, he's also on top of Saturn. So Saturn is in Aquarius, remember, this whole year. Now Mercury is in Aquarius. So in many ways, it's a good time to contemplate. What I like doing in that day on the 13th, 14th, a lot of I, because everything is frozen, you know how sometimes there is the spell, the magic spell that everything around you freezes and then you're able to see things clearly because they're not moving around. You know, you see it a lot of time in movies uh, that the superhero is maybe able to freeze everything around and they're walking between people moving, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the arrow that's supposed to hit you or the, the thing that they throw is kind of in midair. That's what's kind of happening to us when Mercury is stationary thoughts get slower you're able to look at your thoughts and say i like this thought i'm gonna grab this thought this thought i'm gonna move away that thought i'm gonna hide someplace else so on the 13th and the 14th you get that superpower of being able to freeze thoughts and be a little bit more coherent so that's why i think it's maybe not a bad time to make decisions not act upon them yet because you're stuck but to be able to see things and really get a good appreciation of where you are and what you need to do in the future. So again, that's on January 13, especially because on that day, the moon happens to be in Gemini. And the moon and the Mercury are sending very, very good energy to each other. Again, we talked about before, Mercury, a day before, Mercury and the moon clashed for two days. Now, they're flowing very well. That's why I told you that that day specifically, it is a really good energy that has to do with sorry has to do with um, a, everything that can connect you in a very good way to your um, thoughts to words to communications same thing is happening to us on february on january 14 it's a friday we have mercury stationary so still it's some kind of a stuck energy but Moon is still in Aquarius, in Gemini, which is really good. Mercury in Aquarius. And we have a much more airy energy happening. So more information flowing, even Mercury being stuck and stationary. The moon is moving us forward. And the moon is almost like grabbing this information from Mercury and able to connect it to emotions. You know, even in psychological um, experiments, they found out that information that carries emotion is remembered for longer periods. So emotions and information is flowing very well on Thursday on Friday. And Saturday, sorry, on Saturday, yeah, we have the moon in Gemini, but it could be void of course. So just pay attention. Saturday could be a little bit tricky with void of course, meaning that it's not the best time to initiate things. Um, We have Mercury officially retrograde. We have Venus officially retrograde. So it's a very retrograding uh, Saturday. It's the first time that we have Venus and Mercury retrograde together. So just be a little bit more aware of it. And just again, if you can hold on on project until after February 4, it will be much better. And hold on on relationship after January 28 or 29, depends where you are in the world. Now, let's see if there are any questions. Um, you know, if your birthday is on that day, it's it's basically meaning that this next year, because birthdays are always an, uh, like when your son meets your son. So it's like a son touching your son. You have two sons on your birthday. So it's always important to do import, like things that you want to have for the next year. And because it's stationary, you talked about it, you're going to have an ability to look at your life and see what you want and what you don't want. Explain. Sirius is important these days because it's the most visible in the year. And when you can see a planet or a heavenly body very, very strong, it means that its influence is very powerful. So that's why it's going to be very good for you guys to meditate with uh, Friday, uh, with Sirius. You made the chart of the week for London. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't do it for London. I did it for a universal time. So you can always convert it universal time. I mean, London is usually universal time. That's not always. Now it is basically Greenwich, Vintage, Greenwich time. So you can always convert it. Loan in the bank. It's not too bad. If it's the first time you're doing that loan, it might not be the easiest when Venus is retrograde because the bank might uh, want you to bring more papers. Maybe you're going to have to, uh, maybe you're going to find a better rate in the future or something. So always pay attention to it. It's better to do it uh, after February, after February 4 or 5 if you can, unless you're refinancing and it's actually good to do it right now. Um, dental work after February 4, yes. I think that would be a really good thing. Uh, let's see. Does Mercury impact construction renovation? Yeah, it kind of does because of coordination. I did mine during Mercury retrograde, so I can tell you it does demand more coordination. Uh, but, you know, so you can't stop life um, because Mercury is retrograde. Besides that, um, let's see... Oh, you all you all said that the sound is good. I froze a little bit. Now I'm unfrozen. Actually, it's pretty warm here. Uh, we hear you. Okay, I think I answered most of the thing. Anyway, I hope I see you guys in London. I hope I make it to London. You know, you never know with these days uh, the test there, this, that. I just heard in London that they changed the... Um, you had to have a PCR within two days. Now you have to have a lateral flow, whatever. Everybody has these different names for it. It's kind of a interesting time where we all are tested every day we're tested now we feel what women are feeling all the time when they had to have their pregnancy test i feel like it's a lesson to all of us men to see how it feels like to be in front you know i did this uh, thing in greece with my friend and there is a c and a t next to those uh um, fast um tests because i always did the pcr everywhere and when i was in greece we had to do those uh antigen one or antigen or whatever you call it and then mine went up and got stuck in C. And I told my friend, oh, my God, I have COVID. Look, it says C. She says, no, no, that's control. I said, I don't believe you. It's C. Who would put in a test of COVID on C a control? No? But I guess it was control. It's kind of stupid. I, I mean, there was a C and there was a T. And when it came up and stuck on C, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's okay. You can get COVID. It's not like the end of the world. But, you know, I was supposed to fly. So, you know. It's not always uh, the way we imagined it. But anyway, it's a very testy year. And everybody is very testy because they have to be tested all the time. People don't like to be tested. I mean, I don't like to be tested. But anyway, uh, thanks a lot. Next week, I just remind you, we're not going to do the class because I'm going to be doing a class. I'm going to do a past lifetime regression in London and I'm going to actually be doing it right at this time. I'm sorry we couldn't coordinate the time zone. But the week after... I should be back and doing it at 9 p.m. So I might be sleepy when I'm in Istanbul and the week after we'll be back to my 10 o'clock in the morning for a little bit. So again, thank you very much and hope you have an amazing week. Uh, even with the Mercury retrograde, I'm saying goodbye to everybody. Thanks a lot. Some of you guys are sleepy. Lucky you. Uh, I'm going to be sleeping soon. It's almost like I always said to people that are older, don't be sad that you're old because you're actually closer to being young than young people who are actually closer to be old you know, because of the reincarnation. So the same thing with people who just woke up and people who are going to sleep. Well, thanks a lot. And I will see you soon, hopefully.